Hey there, and welcome to the show, Design and Influence. The school is in session. Today, we're going to talk you through passwords, uh, the best practices to manage passwords. And also, we're going to talk about a thing called MFA, which, which is multi-factor authentication. We'll, we'll get into that specifically. This episode is co-hosted by me, Alex, and my co-host and CEO, uh, founder of a company called ArcIT, where we both happen to work. Boris Rappaport. Boris, what's going on, man? Uh, everything's great, Alex. Hi, everyone. Ready for another lesson and training session. So let's go. Yeah, so we want to pass some of the knowledge uh, to you. And our hope in this particular series is that you are able to do your best work by staying, by staying secure and not having to deal with scammers or you have to deal with scammers, but not falling victim to any of this. So passwords is a very important topic. I mean, I was just at my mom's house and the way she manages passwords is uh, very interesting. I can't really speak to it here, but it's, you know, it's, it, it's something I had to uh, give her a class on. And I think we're, we're going to get there, but you, you don't need to be you know, doing old school uh, password management. It, it's dangerous and it can potentially, well, it actually brings me to a good, good point, Boris. We can open with some of the ways passwords are being misused. Like let's say if I'm writing them down in my book or, or I have a, a specific way to storm on my phone. What's some of the ways that hackers and all around bad people get to our passwords and what happens once they do? Uh, well, I think right now the, the most common way is uh, using a phishing email to get somebody's password. And we've had the training on phishing emails, but it, you know, we should mention this here again. Uh, what the most common way is you get an email that pretends to be some service that you're using, right? So this would be an email from Microsoft, eBay, eBay, Netflix, uh, your bank, right? And when you click on the link, it brings you to a back, uh, page that looks exactly like the login page for that service. I mean, it's a copy. The, the really good ones, you can't, uh, you can't really figure out that it's not the page unless you look at the title bar and you see that it's a wrong URL, right? But, if, you know, I've seen pages that look exactly the same as my login page for other services. Um, and they require you to enter your username and your password, but obviously uh, on the back of it, nothing really happened except they get your username and your password for that service. So that's, that's the most common way that you're giving out your password. Now, um, what happens if, well, I guess we all can infer that what happens here is that well, if that same password is used for other services, so not only you getting you exposing whatever medium that you just signed up for, which was a fake sign up page, um, you got fished, um, but you're also exposing your other websites you frequent or other portals where that same password is being used. So that's that's the danger there. Are there any other ways? Because I know hackers could get in, get control of your email. A lot of people send passwords via email. There's so. Can you talk us about or text message? Are there dangers there, and what are some of the best practices to share a password with someone? So I think the best practice, and we'll talk in more detail about this, is using a password management tool, uh, right? Even for sharing passwords. So once you have your passwords in that tool, you can share passwords in a much safer way because you can only send a link to that person, and that person has to go in and accept the link and authenticate themselves. So uh, it's a much safer way than sending passwords in email. Now, if you must use those methods, right, either email or text messages, 
you want to make sure that you're separating the two, the two keys to the login information, username being one and the password being the other. So if you want, if you must do it, send a username through email and then send a password to that same person through a text message. At least that way um, they're in separate places and if the hacker gets access to one, they're not gonna get access to the other. That's a little workaround there, um, but not something that I would recommend um, sending, you know, sharing passwords through email or SMS. Well, other things that people do, and I guess another question, the previous question was where else can hackers get the passwords? They can also buy them in bulk uh, on the dark web, right? Wow. And that when your password's already been exposed and some hacker got it, and then, you know, they put together these databases that they, they sell in bulk to other hackers that are actually that are actually doing the attacks, right? So some hackers just gather the data and then sell it to other hackers who are then attacking. So someday when we all live on Mars or, or, or multi-planetary species, someone somewhere will ask someone, hey, who was your grandpa? It's like, oh, he was the best password peddler in on earth, right? <laughs> Um, not something to be proud of, um, password peddler, but yeah. So I guess they aggregate and sell passwords. I didn't even know about that. That's crazy. Now let's talk about complexity. Does it, does complexity matter in these particular, I mean, what we, from what we've described, the passwords get stolen via phishing or, uh, via hacking into one's email text messages, what have you, where does complexity of the password comes in? Your recommendation is 12 plus characters blah, blah. A lot of websites recommend a specific create, you know, creation templates for the passwords. Um, where does that come in? So uh, where complexity helps, I mean, obviously, if you give away your password, there is no matter how complex it is, there's no way to protect yourself unless you go in and change your password, which is also something we need to talk about. Um, but complexity helps from a certain type of attack. And it's called, uh, in the industry, it's called a brute force attack. But what that means is um, basically, you know, hackers use these tools uh, that randomly generate passwords. And if you give the tool enough time uh, and enough ability to log into the service as you, you will figure out what your password is. So increasing the number of characters and also putting in special characters effectively increases the amount of time it takes for the password, uh, for, you know, for this password generator to guess your password. And you know, increasing the number of characters by just one, you know, multiplies that number by, you know, a factor of like two to the 128. I mean, it's basically it's tens of thousands of times, right? So the more complex, the more characters your password has, um, the harder it is for these tools uh, to guess it. And that also means that when they, you know, when they're trying to guess it, the service that they're trying to log into uh, can identify that as an attack and block uh, that attack. Gotcha. Um, I hope that explains it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's pretty well. Um, so in our daily course of business and personal life, we use, you know, our devices all the time. Um, I think it's time we talk about the right ways to do things. And, and, and these days, the proliferation of password management tools has been a fantastic lifesaver for a lot of people. I personally use one as well and love it. But can you talk us through the tools that exist what, how they help, what they do, and why we should have them. Yes, I will. But first, uh, a small word, you know, a small word of caution here. You want to make sure that the tool that you use is a, you know, business grade tool that has a good reputation. 
because I read in the news actually yesterday uh, that one of the password management tools, I haven't heard about it before. So it's something that either new on the market or not used as often. They got hacked and, uh, you know, 29,000 passwords or 29,000 accounts Ooh. and all their passwords got leaked uh, on a dark web. So you want to make sure that if you are using a password manager, you're using a respectable tool, a business grade tool, uh, right? So um, even for personal use. So like LastPass, I mean, it's LastPass for business first. They also give you a free version uh, for personal use. So some of the ones we're going to mention here are LastPass, Dashlane, um, or one login. Um, those are the three tools that I think. Is it one login or one password? It's actually one login. Um, one login, gotcha. I think there's one password as well, but uh, the one the one for business uses one login. Got it. Yeah. So, and those are, I mean, let's just focus on those three and we'll use LastPass as an example for all of these. But if you're using any of the other two I mentioned, um, then it'll be fine as well. So the way LastPass works is it sort of sits there in its own, whether it's on the phone or uh, as an extension on your browser or as an app on your computer, uh, application on your computer. And so what it does is when it detects um, that you are typing in login, or when you are in the login page of any website or portal, it sort of automatically suggests to remember um, the information you're logging in. That's how you kind of set it up. Um, and then you can create folders and and, and organize the information in various ways. But the point is it uses facial recognition on your phone as well. So you are able to type, and this was the kind of downside of it for a couple of years. Using it on the phone was not very convenient because you have to go into the application itself, look up the password, copy and paste it into the um, whatever app you're logging in on the phone. Now it actually integrates with just about everything and it uses uh, face, face ID, which is which is again quite amazing. The, the the best thing about it is its its simplicity. Now there's still one master password that you have to remember, right? So there's a master password to uh, LastPass that gives you access to all your passwords. And if you don't, if you forget it, um, that's a problem. Um, it's, it's, it's like I said, I was helping my mom recover uh, her LastPass, and that was virtually impossible. So the good news is that it's very secure um, and it's very difficult to get your master password. Um, bad news is <laughs> it's very secure. It's very difficult to get your master password. So you you may get yourself locked out. But the system is so intuitive and well done. Your job though, your job is to install the app uh, as a browser extension on like all the browsers you're using or main browser you're using. And, and once you do that, um, it's, it's sort of, taking over and does the work for you. It also generates uh, highly secure passwords. You can tell it how many digits you want. Um, you can tell it what sort of characters you want to include or not include because different websites, like for, for example, D California DMV will have a particular password requirement. Your bank will have another password requirement. So it, it can actually, you know, you can easily adjust it with just uh, drag and drop number of characters and, and the complexity you wish for it. And then it generates a new password. So um, with this comes a question, boys. I sort of, it, it sort of competes on my screen with Google passwords. Uh, you know, like Chrome has its own password management tool. Um, what is your recommendation around using browser-based password management tools? So just like with anything, and free is good until it gets you into trouble, right? So 
Um, I think the issues with either using Chrome or like Safari, and then Apple has its own kind of key management. I mean, it's good as a starting point. Like you don't want to have passwords written down on pieces of paper or post-it notes, right? So if you were to start, like, yeah, start there using that. But what happens a lot of times, well, A, you know, browsers get constantly updated, features get constantly changed. You know, what if they start removing those features? So that's one thing where you're relying on either Google or Apple to make sure that they maintain those features. Most likely they will. Uh, but also since these are kind of the consumer great products that are on every computer, more and more hackers are going to try to to attack that or try to intercept or figure out a way how to get passwords out of them. Um, so to me, using a specialized uh, set of tools is always better than using kind of generic tools. But as a starting point, yeah, I mean, let's get away from managing passwords um, on pieces of paper. So that's one for personal use. Now for business, right, you want a centralized repository of all passwords because what happens when an employee you know works in marketing they have access to all of their marketing account your website your other your other marketing tools email mailchimp what have you uh, and they're the only one right and then when they leave the company like you have to track the spreadsheets try to figure out like where did they put the password try to reset the passwords I and mean, causes a lot of issues so using a tool like LastPass for business where you can actually share the passwords and have a password vault, you know, for all the business accounts um, that gives you that additional uh, level of efficiency um, that you don't get with, you know, just a Chrome browser or a Apple, Apple key, key manager. Gotcha. What's some of the other benefits of password management tool? And once we cover that, let's jump into the multi-factor authentication and talk a little bit through that and the best practices there. Well, so one is like LastPass has something that's called the security challenge. I think uh, all three that I've mentioned have something like this is where they, you know, they use AI to kind of look at all of your accounts that you store in there and tell you if you're meeting, you know, the best practice requirements, like are your passwords too weak? They'll show you which accounts have weak passwords. Are you sharing passwords between accounts? They'll show you which ones do that. And, you know, it allows you to kind of go in and change your strategies around password um, how you set your passwords and help you be more secure. So that's one feature that, you know, again, you don't get with maybe a Google Chrome or definitely don't get with an Excel spreadsheet. Another one is dark web scans and Google Chrome actually does that as well. Uh, when you set a password on a website, they'll go in and check if that password is out on the, you know, if the username and a password is out on the dark web and kind of give you a warning and say, look, you already, you know, this password is exposed. So those are very important, I think, as we move forward in this password complexity age, just to make sure that you're keeping all of your accounts secure. Okay, multi-factor authentication. Let's cover that quickly and let our uh, viewers go after some of these tips so they can actually go and download LastPass and, or another tool and, and get started. Let's talk about MFA because that, that's an important, very important piece of security personal security as well as business security. Right, so multi-factor authentication, I mean, it's a new best practice, right? So just like 12 character passwords is the minimal recommended, everybody should have multi-factor authentication as part of um, any service that you sign up with. So, and what that is, is basically where you're, you know, you're authenticated in multiple ways, right? That's why it's called multi-factor. Your first way, 
is something that you know, which is your username and the password. And then the second way is something that you have. In the industry, we call it a token, but basically it's either a piece of hardware, a little key, key fob, or in most cases right now, it's our phones because they're always with us. And you know, a phone belongs to an individual and that's how you can be authenticated as that individual. Gotcha. And so where would you use MFA versus not use MFA? You know, is, is, is there a level of security, for example, for your banking and, and, and key sort of financial applications um, versus logging into Netflix? Well, both of the ones you just mentioned, you want to uh, use MFA. So I think anywhere that you have your credit card information and purchases can be made from your account, because uh, your Netflix, I mean, I had my Netflix account, like, <laughs> I don't want to, I'm not proud of it, but I had my Netflix account, which I only sent out for a trial, but they asked for credit card information. I had a craft and somebody like charged, it, charged a few movies to it, right? So that stuff happens. You want to make sure that anywhere on the web where credit card information is stored, there's a second factor authentication. So anytime somebody tries to make a purchase or log into that account, um, you get a little pop-up on your phone saying, you know, is this you or, you know, you're the one in control. The last thing I want to cover uh, before we go uh, is uh, you have this this word writ- written on our notes. It's called passwordless. I, what does that mean? So passwordless is basically the next level of authentication. It is, and there's a few technologies out there. They're kind of, it's not mainstream yet, but it's coming. Um and it can be done a few different ways, right? And passwordless, that's exactly what it means. There's no more passwords, right? So you yeah. log into a service without a password. So how can it be done? So one of the companies that I've researched, uh, what they do is they basically install a small agent on your computer and they set a baseline for your activity throughout a week or so. And they're able, their AI is able with 99.9% certainty identified. Uh, based on your huh. activity and your computer that this is you, right? So when you log into a service, it will basically just say, yeah, this is you based on what you've been doing on your computer for the last you know, amount of, X amount of time, right? So that's one way. Uh, another way is kind of close to what the multi-factor authentication is. And I think that's going to be you know, the path forward for right now is again, you have your phone uh, that you can you know, use either biometrics or your face recognition to log into. And once you log into that phone, let's say you have a bank application, right? Um, so once you log into that phone, that bank ap- application communicates to the backend database and then gives you, like on the phone, it gives you a code that you can just go into a bank website on your computer and just type in that code and it knows that it's you, right? So kind of reverse of two-factor authentication, but you know, there's no passwords to manage. Uh, it's just a code that comes on your app. Very interesting. Well, I think this was a this was a a fairly good overview lesson. If you guys have any questions, uh, we're getarchit.com. Boris and I um, are happy to help, specifically Boris, because that's kind of his lane, and we have the team that's 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 servicing our clients, and we're always always open. If you just have a question or need need help, other than that, we hope this was useful. Go set up LastPass, one login or dash lane. And, and manage your life more securely. Thank you very much for watching. Until next time. Thank you, everyone. Have a great rest of your day.